Hello. Okay, I got you. Hello. Yep. Dallas. Dallas. So, Scott okay. Thompson and I are back there. Okay, here we go. Scott, <laughs> let's 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 start with the Scott Thompson story real quick. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so first of all, big he's a big fan of the podcast. <laughs> um, which I thought was really cool. <laughs> he was uh Do you guys know he's gay? Yes. Okay. I heard that. I heard that from a dinosaur. So he's gay. <laughs> um <laughs> No, he was like extremely nice. That's um, awesome. It was really great. I went backstage and it was just me and him the whole weekend. And I just, you know, I was right off the bat. I was like, Hey, I just have to get this out of the way. Uh, I'm a huge I have fan this, of your- I have this twin peaks podcast. <laughs> uh, I know you have nothing to do with the show. I'm a huge fan of Hannibal and forensic experts. <laughs> So I wanted to see what you know. Anyway, I'm a huge fan of my big gay wedding, um, which was a, which is a great reality show in Canada. Um, no, so I was like, yeah, I'm a big fan. Like you know, Kids in the Hall kind of shaped the way that I wrote comedy for you know years and years. And and he's like, oh, thank you so much. And so then I sat down. You know, he moved his stuff over so I could sit down on the chair on this couch and so thoughtful. And, you know, all this stuff out. And we were talking, and he was like, yeah, he's like, I've been, uh, you know, I was like, uh, I told him, I was like, I didn't know you did stand-up. And he was like, yeah, I've been doing it for about eight years now. And I was like, oh, great. And he was like, yeah, he's like, I, um, he's like, about eight years ago, I got cancer. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. He's like, so I left, I went back to Canada for the healthcare, and uh, I, like, started, you know, chemo and all that stuff. And and, uh, he's like, I always wanted to do stand-up. Even back before I joined Kids in the Hall, he's like, but back in the 80s in Canada, if you were going to be a gay stand-up comedian, like, it was just a joke. Like, no one would take you seriously, and, you know, it was, you know, you could get beat up. Like, it was a big deal. Like, you didn't want to be a gay stand-up comedian in the 80s. He's like, so then I met the Kids in the Hall, and then I just did sketch. And he's like, and then when I got started doing this cancer thing, he's like, well, if I'm going to die, I'm going to just try to do stand-up before I die. And uh, so then he started doing stand up and he was like, but I did it, you know, legit. Like, he's like, I didn't want to like show up, you know, I'd show up to rooms and they'd be like, oh, hey, d- do whatever you want. And he'd be like, no, I, I just want to sign up for the open mic. Like, I just, I want to do my five minutes. And uh, so he's like, I would just do the open mics and I would hit that circuit and until I outgrew it. And then I do the next thing. And he's like, and my goal was to get where I'm at now, which is where I have, you know, an hour of good material and, I can tour and and he's like, and then the next thing is I'll get a special and, and, uh, and I'm like, that's awesome. And, uh, and he was like a pretty legit good standup. That's cool. Like it was really weird. Like he wasn't, you know, like I saw Dave Foley do stand up and Dave Foley wasn't that great at yeah. stand up. Uh, but Scott, did Thompson, he do like buddy or anything? No, he did no characters. Like it was wow. like, he, he even talked about it, how he didn't, he did not want to do any characters. Because we were like, we were kind of like guessing, is it just going to be an hour of Buddy, which wouldn't be bad. Yeah. Well, he's actually doing a one man Buddy Cole show at UCB at like the end of what? the month. Oh, that's uh, amazing. Yeah. Where in in LA? In LA, yeah. Oh my god, John, you got to go. I about it. I bought his book and everything. Like, it's so <laughs> he's funny. Like, he's really because. like. So, like, after the first show, we were, like, you know, we were hanging out and talking. So, he was super talkative. I mean, he just talked the whole time. And 
and after the show, he we were like talking about how his set went and stuff. And then uh, he, I, you know, we hung out and stuff. And and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna do press. You know, I have to do press early in the morning." But uh, but you know, he's like, "If you want to get a drink, like let's hang out tomorrow night." And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, sure." And so the next night, um, the show was over, and he was like, uh, "What do you want to do?" And I was like, "I don't know." I was like, "Let's grab a drink." And he's like, "Okay." Um, he's like, "Where should we go?" And I tell him all the bars, and he's like, "I don't want to go anywhere with like a scene." <laughs> and I'm like, well, we're, I'm like, well, we're downtown, so <laughs> it's, it's all the scene in downtown San Diego. Where did yeah. you, Where did you do the shows? At the American Comedy Co. Downtown. Okay, like, yeah. right next to the Double Deuce, where they got the Mechanical Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys, like to, did you guys go on the bowl? We did watch the bowl for a few minutes because he was fascinated <laughs> by the bowl. <laughs> but we went and like they don't because they don't have bowls in Canada. Well, so I, t- I said, like, uh, I was like, well, we can go grab a beer if we just want to, like, hang out. And there's another there's another club down here, another comedy club that does open mic after their late show. So there's, like, an open mic, like, happening right now. And he was like, oh, yeah, let's go there. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we went across the street to this club that was doing an open mic. And, like, we sat there for, like, 45 minutes. And he was just watching all these guys going up, and he was talking. He would talk to me about their like what they were doing and what he liked. And he would go up to these guys and be like, "Hey, I really enjoyed your set and stuff." And obviously, people are like freaking out. <laughs> and uh, like Scott Thompson just came up to them randomly and said, "I like your stamp set." <laughs> and uh, and he was really cool. And then like we like had a few drinks and we like left. And then the next night, he had some friends come down from Canada. They were in town. They were in L.A. or whatever, and they drove down. Uh, like a friend from his like junior high years. Yeah. And uh, they came to the show and after the show, like we hung out in the back for a long time drinking beers and stuff. And then he took us all to like a late dinner. Right. So like the four of us, we go to this, that Brian's 24 next door. We were there till like three in the morning and just talking. And then like, it was like the coolest thing. And at the end of the night, I'm like, Hey man, I had, I had a lot of fun. And he was like, yeah, I had a lot of fun too. And, and I was like, "Hey, if I ever come to LA, like it'd be cool to hang out." And he was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Let me give you my number." So he gave me his phone number. Rad. <laughs> and, so uh, rad. God. And so, yeah. And so now, like, I'm like, cool. And what's funny is Matt Davis and Brad Davis came down to the show. Um, I think on Saturday night they came to the the early show, and uh, you know they they saw the show. And then at the like between shows we were hanging out talking, and Scott walked out because I was like, "Do you want to go in the back and meet him?" And they're like, "Eh," like they're kind of being weird about it. And so Scott came out and was like hanging out w- with me out there. And, and then I was like, hey, this is my friends, Matt and Brad. And so then Scott just like started talking to them. Like we talked about UCB and like all this other stuff. And and uh, and then like a couple of days later, Matt texted me and he was at a store in L.A. And Scott Thompson was there. <laughs> and like Scott Thompson went up to him and was like, hey, I just met you. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And Matt was like, yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Like, it was awesome, man. I feel he like, was like was... I love your meeting celebrity stories better than anyone else because they're all like, "Oh, I hung out with them all night." It's, yeah. it's probably I better saw them than at Starbucks. It's probably yeah. my it's my favorite part of the podcast. Um, <laughs> well, it's really funny because it's like I, you know, it's he it, knows everybody. What's funny is I feel like it's been over the last year you've had all of these really cool opening gigs. So it's it's it actually really has been fun to get the stories of these like people, especially ones where like Scott Thompson, you and I used to watch when we were in high school, 
and oh, it's amazing. Like, but I feel like it was, was, what, what was it? There was a documentary where he just like he came off very high maintenance in it, and so yeah. I always just kind of what's it's lame to assume based on like little snippets you get of someone, you know, in a on TV or whatever that you're like, oh well, that's how he is. And maybe, and by the way, maybe that's how he was, and now he's just like you know, as you get older, you change. But it's just cool to hear him being so nice and down to earth, and you know. Yeah, anyway. hey, we gotta we gotta pause real quick. Okay. Hello. Pause. Hello. Hi, I'm talking to my wife on the phone. Oh. I'm not pausing. We're leaving this in. I'm I'm podcasting with John and Sean about the Twin Peaks movie. <laughs> <laughs> You're what? That will impress her. <laughs> you got to go pick her up. Holy crap. Uh-oh. Something okay? Everything all right? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Everybody. She's fine. Okay. We're all <laughs> like, I thought she was like dead. Yeah, they can hear me. I they guess can she hear wouldn't, me on the microphone and they're she talking to my ear. <laughs> she wouldn't have called you if she's dead, I guess. So like, is she Okay. <laughs> She just saw that new trailer for season three. That's awful. I'm sorry, honey. Uh, how did you feel about that new trailer? <laughs> so while he's excited. talking to his lady. So oh my god! Excited. Like both of those ones that came out in the last oh, few yeah. days, like yeah, have been mind blowing. So good. And today, today was like the first one. I'm like, oh, there's new. There are just so many. I didn't, new, but I can do things. it in the morning. New things. There's I'm new people. Love. There's I'll new morning places. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm so. I didn't so get a chance to excited. do it, but I'll do it in the morning. I can't handle it. I, could, I couldn't. That was like. It's been cool to see like people's faces. Like I feel like everything else we've got, and it's like, look at here's this person. Well, I can do it before. I but go to today bed. was like. Are we oh, getting? Are we getting episodes early the way they release okay. episodes early with their other shows? Do They're you know? gonna the May twenty first. The first two hours are going to okay. air, and then okay, instantly three and four are available to stream. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got so, it. So yes. So yes. Yeah. May twenty first. So anyway, there will Scott be... Thompson. <laughs> oh, sorry. We guys talking about Twin Peaks. Yes. No. No. I do but... just want to say real quick to to cap it off. Yes, please, because we have a lot. We have to finish this movie. Scott Thompson is that he it, it, it is unreal sometimes to sit there. And like hang out, hang out with him, like having dinner and just talking about comedy. And I'm like, I, this is Scott Thompson. Like it's Scott Thompson that's there. Like I spent an hour every day watching Kids in the Hall. Uh, when from when I was like 17 to 25, <laughs> like, it just didn't make any sense. It was really really funny. Uh, and he couldn't have been more nice. And he uh, talked crap about Mr. Show, which was like my favorite thing ever. <laughs> uh, any brain candy stories? He tells a great um, – he didn't really tell any stories about kids in the hall. He would just go – he would just talk about how people would always tell him, like, what are you doing here? You're a kid in the hall. Um, what, did he talk about Hannibal at all? He did talk about Hannibal on stage. Um, he would talk about how he was on a show Hannibal. He's like, anybody seen Hannibal? And people would, like, clap kind of. And he's like, yeah, that's why it's not on anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and, uh, it's so good. And he's like, I played an FBI agent. He's like, yeah. they gave me a gun. <laughs> me, a gun. <laughs> so, like, they, if you haven't seen the show, they, like, catch these, you know, there's these monstrously artistic but horrifying murders. And then they take the body back to the lab, and it's, like, Scott Thompson. <laughs> and his friend. Yeah. 
being Scott Thompson talking about things. So it's like hilarious. Anyway. Yeah, it's really funny. And then he tells a brain candy joke where he talks about Roger Ebert. It's really mean, but because he had cancer. So he like talks about stuff and he was like, and he was saying something about Roger Ebert. He's like, I hated that guy because he gave brain candy a terrible review. He's like, so terrible. He would, he was shaking and spitting. He's like, that's probably when his jaw fell off. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like dying laughing in the back, but, <laughs> but no one else was in front. People were like, Ooh. And he's like, I had cancer. I can say these things. <laughs> he's like, people always go, I wonder how long he's going to play the gay card. Well, I played it until I got cancer and now I'm playing that card. <laughs> really Anyway, okay. Well, anyway, by the way, we, we we swore to ourselves we were going to try to speed through it, and we're already ten minutes in and haven't touched if the movie. You want, if you guys need to talk to Scott Thompson or Dave Keckner about anything, I have both their phone okay. numbers. Please okay. let me. I'm. Let's see. Scott Thompson might be a surprise addition to the uh, Twin Peaks season three cast. We never know. <laughs> never know. We. Hey, by the way, let's. This is great because we pick up the movie where we left off, and the first thing we're going to see is Leo Johnson yelling at Shelley. Um, Best line here is, ask anybody. It starts with a great attitude. That's no, he's yelling that at her. The first thing you got to learn is you got to have a good attitude. Anybody will tell you that, which he's screaming at his wife. It's just classic Leo, classic. Now, I, I always thought it was a little hammy, but it's then, so oh, again, sorry, with the missing pieces, she has this extra line in the extended version of the scene where she goes, oh, did you take some bennies? So, like, I think he's high yeah. during that scene, which is why she's not, like, running for the hills. Sure, sure. When uh, he's, like, beating her and stuff, because she's used to him taking drugs and treating her like poo. Yeah. Well, he gets um, a call. It's for money. Oh, are you actually, are you delivering plot right now? I'm telling you, I, I was going to keep I you on track. That that's my goal. I love that you're this, doing this. This, how much money? Do you know the, how much? $5,000. By the way, $5,000. People, people listening at home, this is the first time Dallas has like, picked up the ropes and just like hit, you yeah, know, well, whipped the horse. The, the fat guy, Renault calls yeah, him. Yeah, keep going. This is fantastic. Or no, by so the way, Bobby how calls great him. is Jacques Renault in this movie? Oh, like, he's like, creepy. Hey, baby. <laughs> Bobby, baby. <laughs> by the way, do you feel like the way he talks to Bobby, like him and Bobby have like done it? Like, it was a little too like, you only call me when you need me, baby. It's like, whoa, dude, hold on. Well, you're probably trying to say Bobby, to be fair. No, no. He says, like, he's calling him baby. Um, So so Leo calls, Bobby calls Leo for money. It doesn't work out. Uh, And then Bobby calls Fat Jock for money. And he's like, hey, let me put my wee-wee in your BB. Isn't he calling him for drugs? Am I wrong for drugs. For drugs, yeah. Yep. Calling for drugs. And then the fat guy was like, uh, yeah, my buddy. I'll hook you up with my buddy, and then we'll put my wee-wee in your butthole. <laughs> and then he hangs up. Keep going. Bobby's pretty stoked. And then he, like, dances backward. Uh, and then I forget what comes next. <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, Dallas McLaughlin. That, that was, was great. History. Yeah. You I do this with every scene. You just got to start it I'll off start you. Okay. Quick. I'll start you. So yeah. next we're in the Palmer house. Ah, uh, shit. All right. Um, Laura. She's in the living room drinking. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Donna, so, so Donna my shows favorite up. Lines, 
Some of my favorite lines in the movie are in here. So, oh, is this like, when they're like laying on the couch together? No, this no, is no, no. like Donna's. If, no, if Laura's drinking. drinking. Yeah. Okay, she says, "Where are the cookies?" Yeah. <laughs> what does she say? She calls him. Where are the cookies? Oh, you mean Fred and Ginger? Fred and Ginger. And she goes, "Oh, dancing like that." Like she infers, and then she goes, "If I had a cigarette for every cigarette your mom smoked, no, if I had a I'd nickel, right?" A nickel? Oh, I should have a nickel yeah, for every cigarette. <laughs> of, oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good line. Of course, they're, by the way, of course they're at dance. They're dancing. That was Leland's yeah. thing, right? Perhaps Mira Kelly was, was Donna all along. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, if she showed up in season three as Donna, I wouldn't bat an eye. So for those of you following along right now, neither Laura Flynn Boyle or Moira Kelly are listed in the, in the cast. So for what we know, Donna's no longer a part of the show. But Or maybe she is. Has, maybe there's going to be a new... Has Moira gotten... Did Moira Kelly get married, though? Maybe she has a different name? Uh, I think people would have known. People, dude, people would have known. Yeah. If she people... got married and changed her first name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Laura okay, Flynn, so they're Laura, about dancing. Laura Flynn Kelly. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> if you're talking about dancing, it's not Laura Flynn Boyle. Next scene. Okay, this next scene, actually, if you want to start running with this, I actually really love this. So uh, Laura is headed to the roadhouse, and she's stopped by the log lady. Um, oh, yeah. So this is a kind of a really like sad, sad moment where she stops her, and she gives her this kind of speech about when this kind of fire starts it's very hard to put out um this really like shocks laura and she has that moment where she's looking at herself in the the mirror because we know what we know where laura is headed and what she's going to do um and then there's we go like right into the scene with julie cruz singing um that song world of blue which is like really really heartbreaking and laura just starts bawling um julie cruz is like it's just like um She's always bringing the waterworks, right? The roadhouse, like just people just go there to just like you know drain their tear ducts. It feels like, um, but I do like this scene, like the way Donna follows her, and then she's like watching Laura, and um, like just kind of seeing her, and it's so sad. And then it's at the end of this, instead of like going to intervene or like call her parents, she decides to join Laura. Um, which we know Laura is there to meet some gentlemen who are paying cash to spend the evening with her. Um, so I think Donna just like wants to be like Laura. Unfortunately, she has this thing about how, you know, she thinks Laura is so cool, but we know that this isn't cool. Dallas, what's about to happen? Right. No, I feel like cool these two guys are like straight out of porn casting. <laughs> like, I don't know who these like, actors are, but that's probably worth looking at. Like, if it I wasn't porn, it was like Cinemax. They're, they're, yeah, yeah, they're like, definitely like uh, total red shoe diaries. Like, yes. <laughs> hey, we're here to fix your tires. <laughs> yes. But we're um, in a bar. I know. So. So Jacques is like the like I guess the pimp in the situation. Oh, and so Donna goes over and instead of like like I said instead of like rescuing Laura or like trying to fix it, she's just like I'm going to try to like one up you. And Laura's like, "All right, Donna, like, you know, put your money where your mouth is." And then they head on to the next scene, which what I and I'll mention this John is like in the missing pieces, you actually see them go 
to this place. Like in the movie, it just looks like they like open a door at the roadhouse and they're in this place. This is somewhere else. Right. And this place yeah. is called, it's called Partyland, which I love the, the name of oh, it. Oh, I thought it was called, there's a, there's like a code the, word the called music the power the, and the glory. Oh, okay. I don't know. Well, the, it's in the script, it's there's referred a, to as Partyland. And then the music, it's the pink room, right? Yes, totally. And w- when they go, uh, well, so two things happen in the deleted scenes. Sorry, maybe I'm goofing no, it up. but. Please. So there's a scene in the deleted scenes where Laura is like meeting some dude randomly and he says the power and the glory when she's like going to satisfy him in a certain way. Wait, that's the trucker, right? Yeah. That's earlier. I think that's earlier in the script. Yes, but then when they go, when they all four of them get in a car and they go to this place, they go to a bar that's just like looks like a regular bar. And they go through the back, right? There's a door in the back and on the back of the the uh, or on the door it says the power, power and the and glory, the glory. <laughs> and then they walk through the door and then it's like they're in that the, scene the regular scene yeah so yeah like this room is like so this this scene is kind of called like the pink room scene um yeah. and people have like mentioned how it's similar to the red room and that like you have the you know the music and the like subtitles um i don't feel like though there's any connection to like the red room or the spirits here at all as I much as people either. have mentioned that i think it's just kind of like i think it's cool the way lynch shot it and like that they you know the music is so loud the way they mixed the vocals into it um but there's some really kind of strange you know some weird dialogue um Ugh. what do you think Doss? <laughs> what do you think of this scene Dude, Jock making out with yeah, I wrote, Laura. <laughs> I, I wrote is just disturbing. I wrote ew with like thirty W's. It's <laughs> on par with the shot in the back of the head that's coming soon. The, like it is. Yeah. the music disgusting. though. I love the music to this. this yeah, scene. the music's fine. It's man. pretty it's rad. Just, I had a friend who said they're gonna have a dress up party to watch yeah. the new Twin Peaks. Yes, and um, considering my current size i decided like oh maybe i'll go as the great went <laughs> the great went because <laughs> when he says i am the great went i am oh. as blank as a fart i love how much yeah. that one guy laughs at that line like he says yes. like it's like it's yes. the funniest thing um they start but playing fair, what that line where laura says like i am the muffin yeah like there's a whole <sighs> other scene and then about he them goes talking about who's the muffin yeah, you have a great muffin. Yeah, it's That's bad. A, <laughs> I do. I, I do but, like the. I I do like Laura's line about "Don't expect a turkey dog here." Um, yeah. That's a pretty good way to. That's the first line in that scene. It's a pretty good way to sum up what's about to happen. Um, yeah. They start playing the uh, the age old game of pass the beer bottle, which is like the best and quickest way to get roofied, um, which Donna <laughs> does. Um. And then, you know, like, it's just shenanigans, and Laura's all of a sudden getting naked, and Donna realizes where she is. She's like, it's kind of a cool shot where it's that point of view, you know, of like when the drugs kick in. <laughs> um, and then. It's like uh, Jason Lee and Chasing Amy when he realizes he's at a lesbian bar. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly the same yeah. thing. Um, oh. Ronette is there, and they, this is actually important. They start talking about Teresa. So, they two of them had worked together at One Eye Jacks. We, Laura talks about getting kicked out of One Eye Jacks, but before that, she talks about the last time she just goes, "Oh, we were doing that thing," which we find out what it is later. 
They talk about Teresa was going to get rich because she was blackmailing someone, and she says that, oh, Jock says, that's right, she called me to ask what your father's looked like, which Laura kind of perks up her ears to. Um, and then Jock invites both of them to their cabin, which we know will be the place where things are going to happen later on in the show. This is when uh, Laura sees Donna, who has kind of like followed Laura's uh, lead, and she has her shirt off. And she, I, I wrote, anytime Cheryl Lee screams, I have like a really hard time with it. Um, although this it's is hard. like this is like the mildest case of her yelling. It's just because you know she's upset about Donna. It's not because like you know some of the other really extreme things that happen with her. But I think it's worth noting in the script for this. Um, that you hear Bob's voice saying, see what we can do to Donna. Um, like what? Yeah. It's in the shooting. Trip. Really? Yes. I think that's like interesting, but it's really kind of like, that's kind of complicated because like, what is, so is it, it it's in the, is it in the movie or just in no, the script? No, it's just in the script. Okay. So like, okay. Okay. But that is like, so is Bob there with her? Like, I don't. I, I guess it, I'm glad it's not there because it just really makes it kind of like, is he already kind of possessing Laura? How is he there? You know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I've I've wondered about what you're talking about, um, especially since so early in the movie they have, you know, that sequence with the fan. How is able? Where how is like, Bobby able oh, to communicate clearly, with her? It's just like kind of talking to you about stuff on a nightly basis or every few nights or yeah. Well, like, how does that work? Like Bob is possessing Leland, but he's able to also like kind of travel freely through space and time on his mm-hmm. own, you know? And when he's doing yeah. that, is he not a part of Leland? I don't know. These are questions, but um, right. I, I just thought it was worth bringing up. Um, so <laughs> the great scene at the end of this with like all the cigarettes and beer <laughs> on the floor. And I've heard stories about how like, Lynch just kept like getting people to round up cigarette butts because he just wanted like a million of them <laughs> to look like <laughs> an, just like an impossible amount of cigarettes that were smoked to kind of like the <laughs> aftermath of that whole scene. Um. Anyway, that's the uh, party land scene, and it's uh pretty intense. But um, it's disgusting. Next scene. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We, yeah, we'll move on. Um, well, I mean, it's worth noting that the thing that snaps Laura out of her, like, I'm so badass, and Donna, why are you trying to be like me? Um, is that Donna actually kind of crosses the line? You sure. know, she takes her shirt off, she's taking drugs, she's clearly about to get violated in some way yeah. and that snaps or out of it um because i don't like, is, i don't think i don't think you needed bob saying like see what we can do to donna it's like no she didn't need no, to be like oh yeah. like i don't need to become you to do this to her like i mean it's crazy that it took that long honestly sure. for her to that way like if your friendship with donna is the is your like kind of rudder that keeps you um, that kind of wakes you up from the nightmare. Like, why yeah. didn't it happen sooner? Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I guess there's <clears> probably this is like you know she at this point was like naked. You know, right? Like, exactly. <clears throat> I think she was seeing in Donna what she was doing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the next morning at the Hayward house where they're kind of like recovering and Donna doesn't remember anything. Um, Leland comes to pick up Laura mm-hmm. and um, Donna, you know, Laura tells Donna, I don't want you to be like me. Um, Leland sees both of them and he has a flashback to seeing Laura and Ronette. And this is the thing that Ronette was mentioning to Laura. So, um, and then that's all we see. And <laughs> I love that Leland goes, bye bye, Donna. And I wrote, I'll try to kill you later, but you'll probably rack up a higher body count before I do. Um, <laughs> like Donna and Leland, the two fiercest killers in the county. Um, so they're on their way to breakfast with Sarah. And on their way to breakfast with Sarah, they start being chased by a, like, kind of a truck with a camper. And it's Mike. Um, we haven't seen him this whole movie, right? Like, Philip Gerard has not been in no the film up to this point. No. So um, this is definitely Mike without chemicals. He is pointing. Um, the Palmers get stuck kind of at a traffic light because there's this old, really, really old man walking uh, across like the crosswalk. And he pulls around them and goes like the other way on the street. So he's like face to face with Leland and he's just screaming at him. And Leland is revving the engine to try to distract Laura from what he's saying. But what he says is he says, you stole the corn. I had it canned over the store. And he says, and miss, which he's referring to Laura, the look on her face when it was opened, there was a stillness. Like the Formica tabletop, the thread will be torn, Mr. Palmer. The thread will be torn. It's him. It's your father. Dallas, take the ball and run with it. <laughs> Corn. <laughs> By the way, Dallas, let's, let's get into this right now, you and me. Are you here with me? You ready? I'm a little bit. Do you think Robert Engels knew Mark Frost because they played in a, in a Roto Baseball League? Do you think this whole movie is one really elaborate joke about a can of corn? <laughs> uh, the only way to get better is if somewhere there was a frozen rope. Do you think that the whole, the entirety of Firewalk with Me is a really, really elaborate baseball joke? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, definitely. I think they're probably talking about like Nolan Ryan or something. Remember how earlier I said like you, all of the theories are valid? Well, maybe like that's mine. You know what I mean? Maybe like uh, that's what I think the whole thing's about. Baseball. No, I like it. Um, okay, so... They, they talk about the... Don't they say during that scene someone says something about the smell? Like, yes. What's that smell? Like yes. the oil. It's that oil smell that yes. like people smell when they when the interdimensional people are around so now that's either it's it's like i think it's only bob who people smell that around like okay no one mentions it when they give when they hold back the drugs from gerard and he becomes mike right so like i think what it is is when gerard's near when mike's near bob or near leland like bob is kind of like coming out if, if that makes any sense and you can sure. like again, whatever your feelings about this movie, I think the like truth is that Ray Wise is amazing, um, and yeah. he's like he does a fantastic job of like playing Leland, like slow trying to hold back from just like exploding into Bob and destroying everyone on the street. Um, but I think this scene is interesting in that like 
Mike is kind of seen kind of like as a good guy in this movie, and I don't feel necessarily like he is. I feel like he's trying to push Laura to realize that Leland is Bob because he knows what the ending of this movie is going to be, and it ends up working for him um, because of whatever the situation is. I don't understand it exactly how it works, but how Bob stole something from him and he wants it back. And we see at the end of this, he kind of gets paid back through what happens to Laura. Um, so again, I, that's, like, a, that's an amazing revelation to me. Like I, I never thought of that until you suggested it to me, but it makes sense. Like well, it makes sense from know, everything they say. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm there. I'm willing to kind I of hate, go. And like, I hate to like cheapen it, out. but it feels like two people like just like fighting over like rent money. Like, it's like, you owed me 20 bucks. Like, that's what it feels like. Bob stole something from him, and Mike wants him to pay him back. And I, I hate to say that, like, that's why someone had to die. But that's but what I mean, it, I, in an yeah. alien sense, that's, like, kind of what it feels like is happening here. Like, Bob doesn't but feel... In the series, go ahead. In the series, he seemed to have noble intentions. Like, it seemed to be that, like, we were... Didn't he say, like, we were both killers... But then I cut off my arm. Yeah. Why? Because he didn't want to... He said he saw the face of God, whatever that means so, to Mike. You know, maybe the arm is the person that needs the um, the Garmin Bosia. We don't, I don't know. We don't but, see anyone else eat it other than little, the yeah. little man in the whole movie, right? That's what happens right, right. after Laura dies. So if he's, if he's saying, like... Yeah, like you know that that's why we did this. We needed that. Um, also, just really quickly going back to that drug addiction reference that I was talking about earlier. Like, what if they, these other people, like that's it's not just their like meat and potatoes. It's their addiction. Sure. The same way that everybody, you know, all the young people in this story are addicted to something. Sure. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which would anyway. which would no without well, makes the stakes bigger for it, right? Like why yeah, they're doing the extreme right. things they're doing. But I right. think like this last time I watched it, I saw Mike in a different sense that I had before, where he seems like you think he's a good guy, but does he save Laura at the end of this when he could have? He does not. You know what I mean? No, like, he throws he throws the ring in there though, right? Which the ring is, is how she him? dies. Like and also who's the first person right. who but shows we, we don't see who throws it, but yeah. We see that it gets thrown in there by somebody. And yes, who's, I'm who's assuming. the first person who shows her the room? The ring is a little man. Who's the one who ends up right. eating the corn that is comes from her? Is results right. from her death. We can, we'll get into this more when we get there. But we're talking about this, snake, right? This scene, <laughs> Dallas, <laughs> Mike Nelson, you, right? for listening to us talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other the other question I have and I John I texted you about this is that I didn't I watched this with subtitles because I I was like like and I watched it kind of quiet volume is he says yeah. I had it canned over the store which we know what that means we've seen the store I, the the in the in the scene we see the corn is all open it's in bowls but right. he says and Miss Talora the look on her face when it was open there was a stillness i my question is who is her and i've never noticed yeah, I, don't, I don't i've I don't never know. seen that before and like i guess with the whole keeping of like who is this person in this movie i guess maybe that's judy you know oh I, wow yeah i mean maybe. i i because who else could it be 
could it be? Yeah. Do you think the Do you think the Ben Fold song "Give Judy My Notice" was about? about? Yes. <laughs> Judy from Twin Peaks. It's no doubt. There's no doubt that's what. Is it's Judy about. a monkey? Because at the end of this movie, there's another thing where we think the yeah. monkey says Judy, but we'll talk about that. The oh, monkey, gosh. by the way, the monkey says <laughs> Judy. It's it's subtitled. Um, We've been talking about this movie for so long that I forget that I hate it. <laughs> that's how we get. Like here. You just brought up the monkey, and I was like, "Oh Christ!" Okay. <laughs> So let's okay, keep going. So, let's keep going. So the two of them, after this happens, Leland speeds off and, and drives almost straight into a, a car repair shop. And they're kind of like dealing with what just happened. And they're both obviously very upset. And Laura's like, who was that guy? You talked like, you know, he, you, he knew you. Leland is, you know, again, trying to come down from just almost exploding into a, you know, denim suit, a long haired killer guy and just destroying all of that street. Um, but it's a very, very intense scene. I, like, I don't, I mean, again, I'm not going to defend this movie because you either like you hate it, but I love it. I think, like, the, to go from, you know, you go from um, the pink room to, like, this scene. Like, there's just so many scenes that, to me, are so memorable. And um, so, Laura then confronts him, kind of, someone of you is yawning. Laura confronts him about um, the other day when she saw Bob and asked Leland if he came home. Um, and he's like, no. And then else he's like, oh, you know, maybe I did. I came home. And Laura at that point is kind of putting it together that, you know, Leland could be the, the person that she's afraid he could be. Um, so she's like, kind of like, really like, did you come home last week? And then he's like, yeah. And she's like, oh, cool. And like, no big, no big deal. Because obviously what she's asking is, are you, you know, she doesn't really want to know the truth. Because it's awful, right? She guys? can't handle the truth. She he doesn't want to handle the truth. What's fascinating about this scene is that you know there's two guys in his head, and you can't figure out which one of them is talking to her at this point. Yeah. So you're, and everything he says is either the words of someone who doesn't quite remember because they weren't themselves at that point or somebody who's an expert liar, you know, when he's like, Oh, you know what? I was there the other day. It's like, it's either, it's either like, Oh, this poor guy doesn't even know. Or it's like, Oh, you're the most genius liar. Um, anyway, I'm captivated by his, performance every time john do you remember mystery science theater the 3000 the movie when he, no, when he goes um what oh i'm not an alien and he's like, <laughs> then i i jam yes. my giant ovipositor down your throat but i'm not yes. an alien i always but think I'm about not an alien i yeah. always think about bob I, I think about like some of the characters in this movie as like obviously just like even the like line of like this is a formica table like talking about like in, like they just learned English, you know what I mean? Like, right, right. Uh, maybe speaks to their origin. I'm gonna actually. I want to mention because this is one theory that I like. Am so I've kind of been obsessed with. I feel like we've talked about this. That Robert Engels mentioned that the opening shot of this movie in like the first draft was gonna be like the Eisenhower inauguration. And this is where Bob and Mike come from. Is that like, <laughs> what was that again? Is, is yeah. the 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 Eisenhower inauguration? They stopped. They stopped it for thirty minutes to show the "I Love Lucy" 
episode where she gives birth, <laughs> and that for whatever reason, <laughs> this is when Bob and Mike like came to the planet Earth through, with the table. <laughs> And like he talks about it the way we're laughing about it right now. I was like, yeah, wasn't that crazy that we were going to do that? But I'm like, tell me more. Please. Please tell me more. <laughs> because I think it's so weird. Dallas uh, is calling the hospital right now yeah. because we. <laughs> we'll take Sorry, it. Sorry, my wife, my wife came home. She's being very respectful. Was everything Was okay with her? her? <laughs> Was she? Is she Sorry. okay? Was everything all right? Yeah, it's something to do. It's you know, it's private matter, Sean. It's fine. Let's keep moving. Um, unless you guys want okay. to talk about the Eisenhower inauguration more. So um, our pets are fixing up right now. It's an intense moment. So okay, Laura's back at home, and she's flashing back to that what we just experienced with Mike and the little man and Teresa with the ring. And then she sees kind of this flashing blue light overhead, which we kind of interpret to be Bob's there. And um, then we see Leland, and he flashes back to when he killed Teresa. I think it's worth noting here, like John, we were talking about, we don't see Bob kill Teresa. We see Leland kill Teresa. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I which is complicated for the whole, like, Leland's an innocent person, like... Teresa was blackmailing <clears throat> Leland. We know that, or was going to try to. Right. So, like, Bob, we, you know, we saw Bob kill Laura, or at least we saw part of it. Like, we see Bob kill Laura. We see Bob kill Maddie. We don't see Bob kill Teresa. We don't see Bob kill Jacques. Like, I think we have to surmise at some point that Leland is not this, like, dude who's just innocent completely. Like, Maybe it's because Bob has been a part of him that he's like kind of like going off the fumes of Bob. But I think it's worth noting that we don't actually see Bob kill Teresa um, in this flashback. So, um, and maybe not to get like too heady about this, maybe because it's Leland having the flashback, you know, maybe Teresa saw Bob anyway. Um, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like Leland wouldn't picture Bob because I don't know if he... We, if if it's just purely Leland who's having the flashback, I don't know. It's. I mean, my feeling about the whole, like, I mean, there's people that even question, like, is Bob even real? Is it just a metaphor? My feeling would be Bob's real in this show. And even his reality is a metaphor that allows us to go as... Albert said, you know, is he the evil that men do Yeah. without saying like, oh, that's just a, like a less disgusting way of showing that Leland's doing these things. I do think that Bob is real. I do think that he's a spirit and that all that happens. But um, yeah, that's that's it's it is interesting that we don't see Bob doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway. No, I, I like again that to me as that's I've watched this movie more and more, that to me yeah. is the central question is like mm-hmm. what was he doing? How much was he aware of? Um Yeah. At some point he has to have if he knows any of it, he's covering up his tracks. You know. Yeah. Um, so um Laura's in her room and then this is kind of a scene where we see the diary 
and then what Cooper finds in the pilot, which is like the diary with the Coke in it. She was like out of, so she goes to, mm-hmm. she, she finally shows up at high school, which like in Twin Peaks, no one in high school goes to high school ever. <laughs> um, she finds Bobby who tells her about the big score that Jacques had told him about. I want to kind of move through this quickly because we were taking longer than we said we were going to, but, um, Laura is like really drunk, which is like, that's a great way to like go to a, a drug deal. Like, like, what are you doing? Why did Bobby bring Laura like in that state? Um, we know it doesn't go well. Um, they end up meeting deputy cliff from deer meadow is the guy who jock has sent with the drugs. Um, we don't know if jock told cliff to pull a gun on Bobby or if this is just cliff going rogue, but somehow this is like beyond Judy or anything else. The fact that Bobby gets the drop on like a cop, that's the weirdest thing to me in this movie, like beyond the cream corn It's like, how does Bobby get a shot off before this guy who's like a police officer? Um, Did you not see the David Bowie part? (laughs) Cause that would be weirder than Bobby shooting. I will say this is a confounding part of the movie where I'm like, why do we need to know this? I mean, <clears throat> for me, the only reason this is in the movie is because it's in the the it's like the, the book. The, yeah, it's in the book. Like, there's a diary in, where in they go the to... secret diary of Laura Palmer, yeah. right? Or yeah. or is this in the show? I'm forgetting. But, like, there's a thing in the diary or in the show where they say, like, I heard Bobby killed a guy. And so, like, that's why this scene is in the movie. Yeah. But it's so confusing. Like, Deputy – I didn't realize it was Deputy Cliff until maybe the fourth time I watched it. Because she keeps going, like, Bobby, you killed Mike. Yeah. And he kind of looks like Mike, but not really at all. like, and, but he's not, and obviously we know Mike didn't die. And there's like four people in the show named Mike. Yeah. So I will say this is one of the more, the more confusing things of it. But as I've, as I've seen it and grown older, I'm like, oh, she's just super high she's and so or drunk. Out. She's out of it. Yeah. So anyway, drunk. let's let's yeah. keep going. Um, I actually have a, a legitimate theory. Please. Sorry. <laughs> I really do. Please. Like, I honestly have a theory about Bobby shooting this guy and why we saw it. Okay. Is because I think that Bobby in the TV show, like, from the start, is, like, such a little dick. Mm-hmm. And, like, so far up in the movie, like, in the movie, he really hasn't been. He's just been kind of, like, a dorky teenager. Yeah. And so I think it's, like, a change of Bobby's personality that he, like, sure. murders this person and then it kind of explains to me why he's such like this. He feels so invincible throughout the first season of twin peaks. Yeah. Bobby has like had a, he's had kind of a week, right? Like before his girlfriend dies, which by the way, we'll get like, this is coming up. He finds out like (laughs) the night she dies, she doesn't like love him at all. She just wants him for the drugs, you know, like, and then before that, like the day before that he killed somebody. So like, it does explain a little bit why Bobby is such a head case in the first like week of the show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's See, good, you're that's, welcome. That's a good job, Dallas. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so the next day, we see James pull up to the house on his bike. Laura comes out in like some serious '90s garb. She got like the '90s <laughs> jeans on with the sweater. And Leland comes out after her. I wrote that it's kind of weird that like Leland never tried to kill James, right? 
like with the jealousy. Um, yeah, I'm surprised. He, he never killed, tried to kill Bobby or James. He tried to kill like everyone else. So, um, but she does kind of mention this, something about this later, but we'll, we'll get into that. So I'm going to keep going. Um, Laura is about to go to bed. <laughs> she does like a little pre-bed blow, which I guess is a thing. I, I thought that's like not the how you'd want to go to sleep. Um, uh, no, no, no. When you want to calm down, you do a little blow. Do a little blow. Leland drugs Sarah, so yay. Do you, do you guys wonder like how they sniff the stuff in these movies? Oh, is it like, no. oh, like what Yo. they're sniffing? Do you know Dallas? Like how does yes, the actors, yeah. are they sniffing like milk powder or do, or no, is there no, no. Like, so like that gets, you know, you know, not to like brag, I, but I worked in television and, uh, that's why they do. Yeah. Well, what they're sniffing is cocaine. Mm-hmm. It's hey, actual cocaine. Hey, you guys, can we just pause real quick? Yes. Sorry. Sean's Sean's gonna do some cocaine. <laughs> yeah, I gotta do some cocaine. <laughs> Wait. Okay. I'm, I hate you. I'm back. I'm back. What did I miss? <laughs> no, like, and just. Go, and then I go watch the movie. Watch the movie. Wait. Who did watch. you? Who would? Who did you and make watch the show? I hate you. Why did you make? Watch this? <laughs> His college so I, roommate. Oh. A year. And then a year later, I. Uh, dated this girl and we totally watched it and then at the end she's like why did you make me watch this <laughs> several people um all be furious at me for making them watch it <laughs> twin peaks ruining uh, relationships for 25 before. years <laughs> okay but everybody since then was stoked anyway. let's keep let's keep going oh sorry about that i had to i had to move going. locations so um no well, leland Leland drugs Sarah, which we know never ends never ends well for anyone. Yes. Um, he turns the fan on, which I'm guessing has something to do with, I don't know. I guess the fan is how Bob kind of travels to the Palmer house. It seems like um, he's just hot. <laughs> well, and there's a lot of uh, I, I was saying this to you the other day. Like, there's a lot of electrical yes electrical lines, and the guy goes electricity yes. in the room. So yeah. like they're you know, there's yeah. something there. Anyway. There is something there. Um, so Sarah then has been drugged. She sees the horse, which we saw in episode 14. I think it's the one where Maddie dies. Kind of, it symbolizes, <laughs> Mark Frost said it symbolizes death, Sorry. but no one dies in this. What? <laughs> yes, okay. Well, and white, horses, white horses have also symbolized drugs sure. in the past. Yeah, which I so. think that's what we're doing here. That's what's happening. Sorry, my wife just texted me something very funny about cocaine. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I had the theme song just came on. Um, uh, but she's done a lot of it? And no, because she can hear me talking in our, in our in our room. And so she oh. sometimes texts. She texts in questions to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she texts, who does cocaine? And I reader was mail. laughing. Huh? Okay. She does reader mail. Yeah, she's like, reader mail. Instant yeah. and I reader said, mail. No one in the movie. A lot of people do it. And then she said, "Oh, is Twin Peaks like peaks and cocaine lines?" <laughs> <laughs> she might. Uh, that might be a hot take. That could be true. Um, that could be a hot, hot take. Okay. All right. Let's keep. Let's keep moving. Sarah sees the horse. It's really creepy. And then we see Bob climbing through the window, which is so creepy. Um, and Laura's kind of like. 
I don't know, man. She's like kind of into it, like expecting it. And it makes the whole thing even worse. And Bob starts kind of doing his thing. He's like having his way with her. And she's asking, who are you? And that's the moment where we see Leland, um, which is just the worst thing. It's the worst. Um, I feel like it's the worst. Like no other movie has done something that it's so horrible. bad. You know, it's I mean, worth like it's worth mentioning that David Lynch wanted like shot this. He wanted to shoot this scene three times. He shot it with Frank Silva as Bob. He shot it with Ray Wise. And he wanted to do a take where she's has a pig's head she's holding on to. What? I do not know about this. Yes. Um, wow. And not but they like they said no Ray Wise. Not like not like <laughs> not like Porky Pig, like an actual pig's head. Um, which apparently Shirley was like, I'm not doing that. So um we're gonna, I we're think gonna it would have been weirder if it was Porky Pig. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, it's not funny to laugh at this part of the movie, but yeah. What is Porky Pig's line from Looney Tunes? Folks, you're my, you're my daughter. That's all, folks. As much as my daughter. I feel bad. I feel bad making that joke, but we're not the ones who tried to put an actual pig's head in this movie. Don't get mad at us. Uh, don't shoot the messenger. Um, and so when she sees Leland, she starts screaming. And like, I I wrote, they just like kind of transition to the next morning, but like, how did this end? Did she just pass out? You know, she just like passes out and Bob's like, I'll just see myself out then, I guess. I don't know. It's weird. Um, yeah. She did some cocaine. So the next morning, it's breakfast, and you know Leland's there. They're having breakfast, and she goes upstairs, and he comes in to like talk to her, like what's wrong, and she's like, "Stay away from me." And Leland goes from this kind of concerned father look to the evil, you can tell Bob's there kind of look, and then the rest of that kind of is just Laura just having the worst day ever at school. And there's a lot of these really disorienting shots to kind of give us a feeling of how bad, you know, it actually is for her that day. Yeah. Um, With great music. Yeah. No, it's really, it's a kind of really moving and super disorienting and kind of puts you in, you know, the mindset she's got. Um, so then at the end of the day, she's, she's in Bobby's basement and she's looking to score some Coke. This is when Bobby realizes the whole time Laura is not really into Bobby. She's into the drugs. Which is the, you know, that's typical, you know. A lot of guys have gotten caught in that whole trap. Um, she then goes back home to do more drugs. Um, because, like I said, she's like, you know, Keith Richards of, of Twin Peaks. And she's drinking, <laughs> like, airplane bottles of booze. Which I didn't even know you could, like, buy those. Um, at this point, James calls her to meet. And she agrees to meet James. And she looks up at her wall and sees that little painting of the angels. And while she's looking at it, we see the angel uh, disappear, which feels like for the people viewing it, like that can't be a good sign to watch that little angel vanish. Um, And at this point, James picks her up. 
I have we, to, can I shout out really quick please. to this amazing scene in the deleted scenes where she's climbed down the side of her uh, bedroom window outside and her dad pulls up. Yeah. And so she hides in a bush and it's this crazy thing where the, where Leland gets out of the car and he walks halfway up the halfway up the like walkway and then he like senses something and he looks straight into the bushes where she is yeah yeah yeah. and he just stares at it for like uh, such an uncomfortable amount of time (laughs) and she's like oh my god like he sees me but then like he stops and then he keeps going and then yeah. after going up almost to the front door, he stops again. He stares right into the bush uh, where she is. And and he's staring into the camera as if you were her. Yeah. And he's just staring at you. And it is so insane. Um, and then, you know, eventually he just goes in. So it's just like kind of a gag for suspense. But it is so unsettling. It's so creepy. And so anyway. Sorry. No, that's so another. That's another. Runs good off. One. James. Yeah. But then James. we we do see him at the end of that, like peek his head, yeah. like kind of a slow motion Leland reveal. It's like super creepy. Um, right. And James is like still. He's just so hopeless. Like you know, Laura's so like mean to him, and I think it's all based on like she's just trying, kind of trying to distance herself from him because I think she cares about him, but she knows what's going to happen to her. And um, I think it's, uh, I was thinking about this before, like before she says this, like how Leland didn't try to kill James ever. And she says to James, he might try to kill you. And you're like, oh yeah, he might. And then she pivots and kind of says, yeah, Bobby killed a guy. But I feel like, I feel like who she's talking about in the first line is actually Bob, right? Like, I don't think she's worried about Bobby killing James. You know what I mean? I think she just doesn't want to like continue that thought and explain to him that, you know, Bob is real and he's in danger. Um, right. But it's something that like it kind of resonated with when I had thought about that earlier with Leland watching James pick her up that one time or try to pick her up that one time. And then when she said, you know, he might try to kill you. The rest of this is just James being in love with her and her kind of pushing him away. And she tells him to take him home. And then at one point she kind of gets off the bike and she, in a really heartbreaking moment in this movie, she just screams at the top of her lungs that she loves him and then runs off. Um, And this is matching up exactly with what James told Agent Cooper, yes, I think. You get the iconic stoplight, which was on like the cover of the DVD. Like the, you know, this is the, the stoplight part where James waits for the red light and then takes off. Um, so it cheapens it a little bit in that Laura was just kind of looking for a free ride. You know what I mean? This was like Come pre, on, take a free ride. This is like ride. pre-Uber. Um, okay, so let's get to the, uh, let's get to the good stuff here. So she wanders off into the woods to the cabin, which we know what happens next, but now we just get to watch. Jock meets her, says you're right on time, or he says you're late or something like that, and goes in the cabin with Leo and Ronette. Um, Jock ties her up, which she does not want that. Good call. Ugh. But he Ugh. does it He does it anyway. Uh, Leland has somehow followed, I guess, her and James and is now watching them through the window. 
Jock goes outside, and when he does, Leland knocks him out with a bottle. Um, so this brings up a good question. Like, why, why did Leland kill Jock? Like, I, I assume that was real, like, real Leland and not Bob. Okay. Okay. Um, so then that's, like, mm. that's to my thought of, like, Leland being this innocent human being. So, like, yeah. Leland would know that Jock didn't, couldn't ID him. Like, he wouldn't have, he didn't see him. Um, so I would say, like, as far as the series is concerned, until this movie came out, I assumed at that point in the series, they believed that he, whatever Bob was doing, he didn't know. Yeah. He didn't know about it. Sure. So, but, but that's great. So then if Leland is the one who actually killed Jock, and I think Leland is the one who killed Teresa, not Bob, then it kind of, like I said, this, the series kind of casts him more as this innocent, like Cooper gives this speech to Sarah about how he's innocent. You know, he didn't know what he was doing. Um, and maybe that's true about Laura and maybe that's true about Ronette, but maybe not, or about, uh, Maddie, um, but it it is worth it bringing up that since we see that Jock doesn't can't wouldn't ID him ever, um, and when we saw Leland kill Jock in the series, we don't see Bob doing it. Uh, it was just a question right. I had why he did it. Um, I think that's a great answer that Leland did it as the grieving father who was told this is the person who killed your daughter. Yeah, and he's so in that mindset where he's so messed up that. You know, he would go that far. He would go to that kind of extreme. I think, honestly, just in terms of human nature, too, like, the more wrong he did as Bob, the more the real human of him would try to right that wrong. Sure. Um, You know? Yeah, no, totally. Uh, Even if it wasn't aware of the other. It was definitely those last couple weeks where Leland, like, cranked to the max. Like, you know. Yeah. In every sense. Um, so Jock gets, Jock gets knocked out. Um, when Leo goes outside, he sees Jock. He just bails. Like, Laura's <laughs> like, hey, untie me. And he's like, shut up. Um, <laughs> Leo is just a dick to the, the very end. So Leland then enters the cabin, and it's just no fun from that point on. Um, it's worth mentioning that in the script – he rapes Ronette while Laura watches, um, oh which God. I'm so glad they left out because, like, it's, he's so evil. Like, you don't need any more. You don't need him to rape Ronette while Laura has to watch. It's, it's bad enough. Um, you know, because it's like, what? Then he's, like, running with the two girls to the train car, and on the way he, like, snaps a bear's neck or something and, like, steps on a cat, like... We get Wait, it. Like, you say you're saying Leland raped her in yeah, the script. Ronette, yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But my point All is, right. like, he doesn't need to be any worse. Like, you don't need to make yeah, him. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, like, we can dial it back a bit. So, um, so then we watch Mike. He's trying to kind of follow, follow the two of them in their the shot with Leland marching the girls through the woods with the flashlight. It's all horrible. Um, and so they get to the train car. I'm going to say that it's, I think it's fair to say it's still the creepiest version of this scene is in season two, episode one. Um, I agree. But, but for the reason that like, they have to kind of go through this slower and kind of more meticulously because of the plot. 
they're able to do it in a way in season two, episode one, that's just like flashbacks. Um, that's like really like the scariest thing. Um, and it's also interesting to note that like that's Ronette's dream, but according to this, she does not see Laura killed. We see Laura die in that scene from season two. Um, so maybe we weren't seeing Ronette's vision, which is kind of like what I always thought it was. But anyway. Um, okay. So once in the train car, Leland puts the mirror down and Laura see, sees Bob over her reflection, which we kind of know is the plan for Bob. He wants to bail on Leland and inhabit Laura. We see a shot of the little man laughing we see Ronette praying, and when she is praying, her angel appears, and we see Laura see this. At this point, somehow, she's magically released from her rope. Um, this is the part I kind of don't get when she is. Leland Bob sees her and goes over to her and, like, punches her, but then, like, just lets her go. Like, he doesn't tie her back up. I I don't um, I don't quite understand how that all worked because if the whole point of like to me the whole point of why he kills Laura is because he has to because she knows who he is now right like he either needs to possess her at this point or he has to kill her because Laura's going to ID Leland as Bob you know what I mean like or even if she doesn't if she if she like sends him to jail for you know like molesting her, then Bob is done. Has Bob has to find a new host. So for the same reason that Leland, like as Bob kills himself in the episode okay. where they imprison him. Hey guys. Yeah. I got, I got a pause. Okay. Sorry. <clears throat> Getting too heavy. That's going to be an easy edit. <laughs> Trick. Hi, John. Hey. <laughs> I yeah. I I never um that never occurred to me, and I it's super important. Like, yeah. Why didn't he finish Ronette off? Yeah. Um, and it didn't occur to me recently that like basically, Mike opens. You know, he bangs on the door, but then he just throws the ring in. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's all he was doing. So why is he throwing that ring in? I feel like Dallas is kind of checked out at this point anyway, so let's just keep talking about this. That's okay. Um, okay, so so if he's – if Mike has thrown the ring in, what is he doing? Because I always assumed in my past versions of this that he's trying to stop Bob from yeah. doing the horrible – thing like i i just always assumed until you and i recently started talking like that that uh you know mike basically turned good and was trying to stop bob from doing bad things yeah so if he opens up the train car and throws the ring in what is that all about yeah i don't know i mean my kind of take on it now is that it wasn't all so are you back? Are you okay? I'm back. You guys could have talked about we might a have lot. been. We might have been. Are you done? Okay, good. Are good. you checked out? We might have kept talking. We're cl- we're close, dude, and we all need to go to bed. Um, 
Yeah, it's By the almost way, it's, done. It's We're, 4 a.m. my time because I was just in the East Coast for 10 days. Oh, my gosh. But I don't care. I, I love Firewalk <laughs> with me. Um, yeah. And I've had a blast talking about this movie with you guys. So um, so one thing that I was thinking about, and we don't have to go through every single shot of this, but let's just talk about like what's happening is from where I'm standing in this scene, like where I see it, I feel like Ronette was supposed to be Laura's first victim as Bob. And so I think maybe that's why he doesn't kill Ronette at that point because he just wants to keep her like down and sedated because what he's hoping is that Laura's going to accept him and let him possess her and that that's going to be her first victim. Um, But then when Mike shows up, he does kind of save Ronette in a way, although I still think it's weird later. Leland has a chance to kill Ronette and he doesn't. so when Mike shows up and he, we see the ring show up in the train car and she takes it, um, that's when Leland screams. Um, and there's also, a, it's worth mentioning, there's a scene where Leland's like, I, I thought you all the time knew it was me, um, which is just like, uh, it's so heavy. I kind of like, maybe I want to accept it Bob was more responsible because it's too hard to accept that, you know, Leland really did all these things. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've always thought that, you know, when we do stories that are part science fiction or they have some kind of other unnatural element to them, that they are a metaphor for the real thing. So, for me, if you say, like, what's Twin Peaks about? Like, you could say, oh, it's about a guy who, um, it's about a girl who gets, um, molested and killed by her own father. I'd go, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I don't think that's really what it is. <laughs> I think that that's a metaphor that's part of it, yeah. but I don't think that's what it really is. But this movie makes me go, like, are you really going to make it that literal? Sure. Like, yeah. Do you really, do you really mean that's really all it was? Like it was yeah. really, there really is no Bob and it's just uh, a horrible man who has problems. Well, I think the um, part, I, I think the part of the things that, that make this story interesting are like you said, it, it can't be that because why would you have the red room scenes? This movie would just exactly. end with Laura dying. If that was how I, agree. I don't, I don't accept that as any kind of plausible, yeah version of the narrative but sure. like when you're when you're asking like if it's just him how does he know or what are his choices like yeah i don't think it's ever just him i think it's Always. You know, these guys who are trying to kill people so that they can get yeah. either their drug or whatever it is they need so. so um so when laura takes the ring and puts it on he's he's very upset because it means so to me, people say, oh, she took the ring, which means he had, like, that forces him to kill her. I don't see it that way. I see the ring as, like, she puts the ring on, and it means he can't possess her. And so he's little, yeah. he's forced with no other option, because Laura's, they can't go home now. Right? I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Leland can't go, oh, crap, well, let's go home. We got to meet mom for dessert. Like, she knows everything. He She has to die. So, yeah. um, 
So we have to watch that. And he does kill her, and we see the everything we know about from the show. We see the necklace, the plastic. Um, something kind of worth noting with the letters, because the letter goes under her finger. Um, he put a T under Teresa's nail, and this would have been an R for Ronette, had Ronette been the one who died. Um, Maddie gets the O, because like we know he's spelling Robert, but I just thought it was interesting that it would have been T for Teresa and R for Ronette. Um, so this is when after he kills her and he's walking out, he just kind of like looks at Ronette and like kicks her and he's like, ah, she's dead. But it seems so like the reason you killed Laura is because Laura would ID you. Ronette could totally ID you as Leland. You know what I mean? Like it just feels so unthorough for like, you're going to kill your own daughter cause she's going to tell everyone about you, but you're just going to leave Ronette just like, like on the ground. That makes no well, sense Renette to me at all. is in uh, season three, right? So she's going to explain all this. I hope. I hope. Um, to us. Okay. Isn't so, it weird that she woke up halfway through the show, but then she she just what went home and like crocheted? Like <laughs> they bring her out at like the very end. But like, yeah. don't you think she would have woken up and been like Leland Palmer? <laughs> yeah, Leland Palmer exactly. was the one. You know, and, and I, I saw an angel. Something else I want to tell you guys about. There was some other stuff, you guys. <laughs> there was some other stuff. <laughs> um, lots of stuff. Run at st- anyway. <laughs> lots of <All> stuff. Right. <laughs> run at story. Uh, so this is when we see um, Leland push Laura's body in the river. We know how that she's found. Um, there's that quick A shot. True Viking <laughs> there's that quick shot where we see Leland with that like white face and the the black lipstick, and we don't know kind of where he is. It's a really, it's one of those like I want to know more about this shot and what it is and where he is and like what this means. But we only see it for like two seconds. Um, but he does that weird thing when he, just like the other people did, where they walk through the sycamore trees, and then they like pause. Yeah. Yeah. And they and they're super super still. Yeah. Before they go in. Like they're waiting. Um Yeah. So so Mike has beat him back to the Black Lodge. Um and once Leland goes inside, Mike is sitting at the chair with the little man. Uh at this point Leland kind of does this like um Michael Jackson like smooth criminal lean forward and we see his body detach from Bob or we don't see that happen, but we see him detach from Bob. He's like floating in the air and Bob is next to him. And this is when the little man puts his arm up where Mike, Mike's arm used to be. And he says, Bob, I want all my Garmin Bosia. If you read the um, subtitles, it says pain and sorrow. Um, This is when Bob extracts the blood from Leland's shirt and he throws it on the floor and this is when we see the little man eating the corn. So again, kind of going back to what I was, my theory about this is like, Mike is not necessarily the good guy in this. Mike, Mike pushes Laura and, and Leland into the situation. Like, I feel like Laura is kind of on the fence about whether or not it's her dad. And then like Mike shows up in the car with the ring and he's yelling it. It's your father, which lets when Laura starts asking about when he came home. So, you know, he's not trying to save her. I feel like he's trying to make this happen. Um, and in that is not the good guy that we kind of think he is. Like 
you know, not that we think he's like, he's not like Agent Cooper good guy, but it seems to be like he's trying to help, but I think it's all selfish. Um, and, anyway. and I'll just throw in my like weird, I just thought of this in the last two days theory, which is crazy after 20 years of watching this, but like that the Garmin Bosia is like, uh, kind of like a drug that they're all addicted to sure. or that they just need, you yeah. know? So yeah. they're all, cause when you see all those guys sitting around in that room and they're all just like gross and, um, and they say, we want the uh, Garmin Bosia. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't no, know. What I, to make I, of it. I think that's like the whole thing. Like you mentioned, it looks like a crack house. Like, <laughs> The, the the like the the lengths that they went to get it, kind of mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's, a, it's like unobtainium. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so the last things we see in this is after that we see the little man eating the corn. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. maybe Mike has to do this to feed the arm, dude. I don't know what is happening in this movie. I've seen it so many times in the last twenty five years. Um, and then we Can see I mention a- just briefly that, Please. like, when he's eating the corn, it is filmed in reverse. So, like, yes. I'm grossed out by the fact that I know that he's spitting it out of his mouth <laughs> into the spoon, but we just want it in reverse. <laughs> oh, it's awful. Um, <laughs> anyway. So then we see, we see the monkey. And that's when the monkey says, if you read the subtitles, Judy. the monkey says, Judy. <laughs> And I feel like that's the biggest middle finger in this whole thing. Um, and then we see the scene from the pilot where Laura is unwrapped, which that's why people think that Laura is Judy. I don't know. Um, and the final what? scene in this movie, we see Laura Palmer. She's in the Red Room, uh, whether it's the White Lodge or the Black Lodge, I don't know. Um, and we pan back, we see she's on Agent Cooper's lap. And she's kind of just like, what am I doing here? And then all of a sudden, we see the kind of blue flashing light the way we saw it in the train car when Ronette saw her angel. Laura sees an angel. And the rest of the movie is spent with her kind of like overcome with joy. And this is how Fire Walk With Me ends. Dallas, how are you? Um, so I have a theory. What if, and this has probably been discussed by many people, but since time is of no consequence in the show, yes. What if Bob and Mike are Bobby and Snake? <laughs> <laughs> like that's them older. Yeah, like they're older and they've they've become creatures of the mystics. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've read interviews where they've said like, oh, we on purpose, we made like a Bobby and Mike in the real world. And then Bob and Mike were these God, other guys. Dallas has my like, favorite can't... theories. My, Dallas has my, my favorite theories of someone who like hates the show. <laughs> like Dallas has a theory that all of season two is Cooper's dream, which I love. I don't think it's yeah. true, but I love yeah. I love the thought that like that's Bobby at like you know fifty, just like really well he's creepy. wearing a leather jacket. He's trying to be cool, you know. And Snake has it all together. So for me, like when I saw this and when I kept watching it for years in the nineties, four years, 
<laughs> I mean, I mean, for years, like I know, I've seen I know, this movie John. so many times. <laughs> so I, the like redemption that I was looking for was, you know, what is happening in this like out of time space. So at the end of the movie, we have this. So like, it's so long. I skipped through it now, but like sequence where we have this long synth instrumental um, that is called the voice of love, by the way, where she's sitting there crying and like agent Cooper is there. And for me, I'm going, okay, what joy can I get out of this? I know the joy for this movie is that she believed that angels weren't watching over her, but then apparently they were, because one appeared in the train car and now there's one here for her in this, you know, weird limbo place that she lives now. But she's stuck in this limbo place. And but Agent Cooper was there. So I was like, OK, well, at least the joy I'm getting from this is that at least the the good Agent Cooper is not dead. He's not gone. As Annie said, he's in the lodge um, and Laura is in there. So apparently there's this place where people wind up when they've been wronged by this interdimensional group of people. So maybe we can find, maybe there's a narrative beyond that that I don't understand. Yeah, no, I, I just explaining what I thought for many years until yeah. I learned other things. Sure. But um anyway, cuz we didn't talk about the angels uh, other than in her room, but sure. I, apparently that was something David Lynch like threw yeah, that's, in at the that's last. That's not even in the script. Like yeah, I yeah. feel like my my biggest issue with this movie is that they try to make it like this is supposed to be a happy ending. And a lot of a lot of like people who I've read, like uh, like for instance, John um, John Thorne, who you know was one of the guys for Wrapped in Plastic, is like, you know, right. this is this is like the happy ending where she kind of beat Bob. Um, right. But it's like I hate that. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't, don't like. Do do, I don't want to accept that. Like that, her dying is her victory in any way. Yeah. I feel That's like. like- I feel like David Lynch decided to make this movie and was like, it's just too heavy to end how it is. So this is the, like her kind of redemption, but I just can't like my, that's my kind of biggest issue with this movie is like, I don't see this as like, I can't, I can't get behind this as a happy ending as the way it's presented. Like if for some reason, she doesn't make any good choices. That's, that's the problem with Laura Palmer's character. Like, and, and honestly, if you want to get super, you know, into it, but like the, the problem with, you know, if you're going to make a movie, you need to make a movie about a character who goes through a change. And this is a girl who just like we meet her and she's making some bad choices and basically just things get worse. Yeah. Until her bad choices destroy her. Sure. So to like have this. um epilogue where she's like happy sitting on a sofa chair with uh, uh, a guy we like and an angel floating nearby like yeah doesn't doesn't mean she like she's all good 
You yeah. know, it doesn't no, mean I, she, yeah, so. I'm like, I'm 1,000% on the same page as you. I, <laughs> I, I hate it. I don't love, you're right, you're right. And, and But like I bought a, it for a while just because I needed I needed that for well, a while. Well, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think there's a, it cheapens it to go, well, maybe season three is going to answer some of the issues with this. But as a, as like on its own, I wish there could have been something where maybe you gave it, like there was some kind of hope that she was going to help Cooper you know what I mean? Like she could redeem herself. Um, because another thing with the like whole, the way everything happens in the train car, it's like, if she doesn't take the ring, like, like Leland talked about when he dies that he invited Bob in. So like, right. how do we know that Bob could just possess her? You know what I mean? Like, like I, do you I, have I I would assume he was trying to woo her the whole movie. Like yeah, could when she just say no? You know what I mean? Like, did, did like maybe just say no. maybe yeah, right. she didn't she didn't have to put the ring on for him to kill her either. Like he might have just been like, okay, right. fine. Like if you're not gonna let me, you have to die. The ring was just like the you can't even if I wanted to let you possess me. So yeah, I've just never understood that ring choice. It's like when she finally puts it on, is that is that her bravely going no? I'm saying no to you, even though I know it will kill me. Or is it like I'm giving up and I'd rather die than yeah, like oh, I yeah. yeah. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Dallas, <laughs> any thoughts? Oh, hey guys. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I, no, don't you listen. First of all, you don't need to apologize, John. Um, I will say this. It's probably a good thing that you weren't on all the episodes with us because we'd still be here on season one. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. Um, I talk too much. No, 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 no. This, no, no, no. John, this it's is... not that. It's not that you talk too much. It's that you and Sean actually really, really like this show. <laughs> and it's not that I dislike the show. I want to make that known. The movie, horrible. Just yeah. what a terrible, terrible decision made by everyone involved. <laughs> I will, um, I will agree with you uh, on that, Dallas. I will say that, like, uh, and, and maybe I'm repeating myself from earlier because I don't remember because it was five hours ago, but <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, the decision to make this movie was a terrible one. <laughs> uh, I will say that, like, it was gonna be nothing but disappointment and yeah. i was nothing but disappointed but i wanted so desperately to have answers that i just sure. kept watching it yeah but like well that's where, the thing where it led me eventually is to when i finally dropped my expectations and i was finally like i don't need to like this piece of shit you know <laughs> i was like oh you know what i really love is um agent chester desmond <laughs> And Agent Sam Stanley, because that's pretty funny, even though it didn't give me anything what I that I wanted. Um, so that's not a good reason to like a movie necessarily, but um, yeah, it's you know well, it's where I wound up. So I wound up in a place where, for me, the value of this movie is that stuff mm-hmm. and everything else. Once we go back to Twin Peaks. I don't care about, I don't need it. I don't hate it because I don't mind getting more information, but mm-hmm. like that's, that's not what I cherish and revere 
Um, but it was definitely a puzzle I tried to solve for 20 years. Gotcha. Anyway, well, I'll and see. here's the thing too, is I was talking to uh, Mike, a guy named Mike Petner, who is uh, a listener, uh, listener of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a friend named Bob. Yes. Uh, you know, Mike was, you know, I was saying, cause he was, a he listens to podcasts and he watched Twin Peaks, like when you guys did when it first aired. And I can imagine if I was like, if I watched it when you guys did originally, like, you know, years and years ago that I would probably, you know, one, it probably would have impacted me much differently because there wasn't anything like this on TV. And two, I would be so much more upset like as a fan because like season two didn't answer anything it left you with more questions and then they're like we're going to make this movie and i'm sure all the fans were like oh we're going to get all these questions answered and then nothing was answered only more questions were presented and then everyone just walked away from the from the franchise (laughs) and like as a fan i would be like god f all of you like but can why you can I, you understand now why we're like a little excited now because we feel like, like here's, this might pay off. I, but it. But here's what I'm gonna say real quick, because then we got to end. I have to go to bed. Yeah, me too. But <laughs> what I'll say is this: there is no way season three pays off for you guys. Yeah, I know. I we already. I know. I know it. I know it. There's no way. <laughs> it's gonna, like a prequel to this. Do you want to know? Do you want to know why? It's because Lynch's biggest like kind of regret about season about the show is that they had to solve the mystery. He doesn't want to give us the answers, and so like, right. Well, I feel like so some things some things might get answered. Us, yeah, some things are going to get answered, right but now. he's going to create something new. My only hope is that he f- solves it like the last ten minutes of episode eighteen. Like, keep it alive the whole time, but please don't make us talk about this for the next 50 years. Like, I don't Listen, I don't want it in my life. Dave Keckner told me specifically. No, I'm just kidding. Dallas and John. This, Dallas and John, this has this been a blast. Show, I'm just going to, I'm making, I'm sorry, I'm making a call right now, and okay. then we can end it. Oh, this please, you get the show, last word, really? You're damn right I do. I had to sit through all of your freaking fan theories for the last five hours. What did you say, John? What did your friend say earlier, your roommate? What's that? What did oh, your roommate why say? Why did you make me watch this? Why? <laughs> why did you make me then podcast about it? Why? I enjoyed the TV show. I th- there were ups and downs. I never thought they could make a movie that would make me miss Evelyn oh, Marsh. Well, then cool. See, season three is a TV show. But season three is going to be a prequel to Chris Isaac and Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> And if you don't think that's what's going to happen, then you're fooling yourself. I don't know. I, I will also say, like, this show came out before the internet, okay? No, so, I like, know. I didn't even know the show wouldn't come back on. Like, this show went two seasons, and I got the, like, videos from the store, and then I'm like, where's the rest? And then they made a movie, and then you go, oh, they made a movie. They're probably going to make more. And then... <laughs> They didn't like there was I'm saying like there's a generation of people who like they didn't have the Internet to go. Yeah, guys, it's shut down. It's like today there was some news article that's like, here's the 20 shows that are not coming back next year. Like we had nothing like that. Yeah. yeah, So you just had to like wait till next year to see if the show was going to come back on. So I think that just like also like 
adds to the craziness of us, you know, fans who yeah. are from back. Anyway, you guys. No, I get it. I felt the same way when they canceled Airwolf. Like, I didn't know. <laughs> Dallas, Dallas and John. Dallas, I want to tell you something yes. real quick. I'm proud of you. Yeah. And what's exciting about this moment for me with you is that <laughs> this podcast now going forward has changed because you and I are at the same place in Twin Peaks. We've both seen all of it together. And now going forward, this is no longer one friend introducing it to another. It's two friends or maybe three friends holding hands going forward as a team. Do I tell my Scott Thompson stories now? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for dishing the percolator, everybody who's followed along for the last however many months we've been doing this. You can still follow us at Percolator Pod. You can follow us at Sean T. O'Donnell, at Dallas underscore MC. Is it at Mixtape Masta, John? Don't even follow me there. Don't follow him. Never mind. So Um, we'll, we'll have future updates. Okay, future updates. We are going to try earnestly to get Dallas to watch season three and to podcast about it. But if for whatever reason, this was the end of our podcast, I want to say that I had a blast doing this. I love Twin Peaks. This was the most fun. Uh, I loved kind of going through it at the level of detail that I did for the first time. Um, So thank you for everyone who listened, who wrote us an email. Um, I'm super excited for season three. And I know a lot of you are too in Dallas. I hope that you will continue to watch. I hope we can continue to ride this boat off the cliff together. I don't um, have show time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> off the falls. Well, all right. Off, off, the, falls. off the falls. Um, <laughs> so that's it for our <laughs> five-hour firewalk with me oh expose. It, this is actually as long as I think as the shooting script originally was. My wife. <laughs> yes. I think my uh, wife is leaving me too. currently, so we have to go. Um, but we will see you again in season three. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Dallas. Thank you, John. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Go to sleep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Goodbye. Mmm, yeah. Dig that, Kurtz. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Then I saw your face, then I saw your smile. The sky is still blue, the clouds come and go. Yet something is different. Are we falling in love? Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Don't. Let yourself be hurt this time. Then your kiss so soft, then your touch so warm. The stars still shine bright, the mountains still high. Yet something is different. Yes. Something is different now. The guitar came in. 
feel like I'm floating. Floating above a keyboard and a guitar. A guitar. Are we falling in love? Falling. Falling. Are we falling in love? Mmm. That's the ketchup. I like coffee. Donuts. <laughs> Russ Tamblin.